Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the 3 and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Thank you, Michael. All right, guys, we have 12 days left in the 2021-22 And down NBA the stretch season. they come. Down the stretch they come. We have a tight race for the top seed in the Eastern Conference and the prize of, pl- of playing the Brooklyn Nets in round one. Um, yeah. The Heat have only a one-game lead over the 76ers, Bucks, and yes, the team of the second half of the season, the Boston Celtics. Ooh. The Celtics did get, uh, unfortunately, some bad news this week as defensive anchor Robert Williams, a.k.a. Time Lord, will be missing <laughs> several weeks with a, a torn meniscus uh, in his left knee. So that's Such tough. a bummer, oh, man. Yeah, I hope he gets back. Uh, at least uh, maybe, you know, second round if they can get there or whatnot. But Udoka, it, coach of the year, called it. I mean, yeah. what a turnaround. Yeah. Udoka. Yeah, D. But also Never Time know. Lord. Yeah. I mean, do, do you guys know the context of Time Lord being Robert Williams' nickname? He didn't show he, up he, to his first press conference? He, he was late. Yeah, he didn't. He missed his own first press conference after he got drafted. And so he immediately, he coined the term, the term Time Lord, which just felt so perfectly, you know, self-aware. Oh, he coined really it for himself. That. I didn't realize that that he came up with that. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I just, the fact that he got hurt was such a bummer to me because they really do, they feel like they're building to being a really unique kind of team I think in the Eastern Conference and there's there's a kind of this this four-way battle that I think you'll get to but they all kind of play each other a little differently so it's I, I'm really curious to see how how the the second round presumably goes if those teams make it through hey we'll we'll make an exception to the uh the default rule that you can't give yourself your own nickname <laughs> but that's a great nickname for Robert Williams we're sorry you got hurt uh but that's a great nickname. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. That's you can. Do we, do, do we allow Black Mamba? Does that still stand? Yes, that that uh, yeah, that stood when um, that's that stands as well. You're right. That's the exception that proves the rule. But uh, so I did, did not the rule. The rule get put into place because of Shaq. Like we got tired of him coming up with all these nicknames, the big Aristotle. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I did not give myself the nickname fat dog in high school. Just for the record, that was not P H P H A T in a D O double D O double G. That was not, that was not my choice. Well, sticking with the Eastern conference. So the heat had been holding steady for a couple weeks on top, but there is some concern that the team is starting to fall apart at the seams as they are clinging to this tight lead. There has been some internal strife and it's, <laughs> it's being played out in public as Jimmy Butler has been having verbal altercations, uh, his favorite type of altercations, by the way. <laughs> his, o- his only type of altercations. Altercation. Hold me back. Hold me back. It's involving uh, Coach uh, Spolstra and veteran Udonis Haslam. Oh, Michael, you took my line there because I was going to say Butler asked to be held back as he confronted. <laughs> <Spolstra>. <laughs> 
That clipboard, man. He was concerned with that clipboard. Clipboard <laughs> spulsed you through the ground. Je- Jesuit High School and University of Portland, the pride, the pride of Jesuit. Yes, Eric Spolstra, yes. whose father was uh, yes, Blazers John GM or president or I think president. Yeah, longtime yeah. NBA executive who did not draft Sam Bowie. I think that was on Bucky Buckwalter. Yes, yes. Stu Inman, I believe. Uh, but watching this from afar, the, the Joker would like to remind Jimmy that he owes him the pleasure of a fight. <laughs> if you recall, the tough guy act started with, uh, well, it's probably started a long time ago, but it reached another level of absurdity what? when he was challenging the Joker to a fight. What's the translation of, of I'm your Huckleberry? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Joker was just sitting there like, come here. Come I don't need the brothers for this one. <laughs> so apparently, you know, Haslam threatened to beat up Butler, who then said, okay, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Give him a hard time. But uh, uh, speaking of not putting up uh, much of a fight, the Los Angeles Lakers are on the verge of missing the playoffs outright as they are now, I believe after tonight, I don't know if the Spurs played tonight, but they're essentially tied for uh, the 10th spot in the conference, which – or is it 11? So essentially they would be out if uh, the Spurs overtake them. So It's all going according to plan, guys. This is all <laughs> part of the plan. The Nets and the Lakers, everything is fine. <laughs> Re- remain calm. <laughs> LeBron's having the time of his life. <laughs> Did you guys saw that, that picture that went around, right, of Anthony Davis? <laughs> this, oh, yes. Was it the sweater? What, was it the sweater or was it taking six weeks off? What was I seeing there on the midsection of AD, man? I don't know. I think it, it was that the jorts accentuated his love handles. <laughs> oh. He really did look like the other AD. I mean, he, he kind of looked like Andre Drummond. Yeah, it was really did. odd. <laughs> Can we just go back to this heat thing? Sure, the yeah. rumor was that Jimmy Butler told he got called out in the huddle for his play by Haslam specifically. And Butler looked at Spo and Haslam and said, you guys wouldn't be anything without D Wade. Oh, which like kind of has a point. Wow. Wait, is that, was that a real thing? Wait, can we, we I don't can know if it was that? a real thing, but I sure hope it was like it. I went back. I, I was imagining like in 2003, like or 2005, I think was the Spurs team where Steven Jackson was like the second best player. And he got in a fight with Popovich and he looked at him and he goes, you'd be nothing without Duncan. Uh, okay. I just, it just felt like the evolved version of that. Like that's why he ran him out of town. <laughs> what an amazing, I mean, we might as well just go with exchange. that. Is that fake? Did I get totally duped by the internet? Cause well, well, I, well, there's this, there's this uh, account called Balsack sports. Have you seen that? Which, which yes, it's amazing. Which I think, is that what it was from? I don't know if that was it, but I think that's, um, I think I saw I saw something like that there. Like he he puts these like quotes in. Uh, he kind of like imitates things. I'm not sure. It was so funny. I'm not sure, but it was pretty great. But I thought I thought um, yeah. But I thought the thing I saw from Balsack Sports, which was also the response, was I think from Hassel, which made me think it wasn't true. Who knows? Was like something. What was it? It was about oh how Butler made his career or something like that. So let's, let's all believe it is true because that would be great. Uh, I just, whatever he said that Spolster's response, which we saw his lips, the lips reading said is like, what do you want to do? Fight me? Like, like what am I supposed to do? Fight you? It's like, clearly that's, I don't know. 
It's... Now, B- Butler went to Marquette too, right? So Wade went to Marquette. So, so Wade paved the way. And they were teammates Butler, with the Bulls right? that so, year, right? With that year, yeah. that lost year with the leadership with, committee. With Rondo and yeah. So who is Everybody. he without Wade? Wolster <laughs> and Kerr are going to have a lot to talk about at Bob Knight's coach. Camp this <laughs> <summer>. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Fight you? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, since we visited that last week, you know, without uh, Bobby Knight, Krzyzewski may not have entered a fourth season at Duke. He did sort of save his job which is sort of an interesting uh, element to the whole Shesky uh, narrative. Did, I, have you heard that part piece of it? No, no. I just heard Sorry. the part at the end where, you know, Bob Knight asked Coach K if he could scout for the Olympics and Coach K like ignored him or something. And that was the final straw. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So quickly. Give it so, to us. I want so, the update. I, I mean, like it. if you look at Shesky's record in the first few seasons at Duke, it was not good. I mean, he took over, he inherited <laughs> players that weren't his and then he started recruiting well but they, their wins and losses were not very good the first few years and on all the big uh you know the alum the the insiders at duke they were ready to part ways with coach k they were or they were calling for his head i should say and at the 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 um athletic director who hired him was basically told jesheski like i've got your back like i signed you to a five-year contract we're not going to talk about your status until we're close to that five years. So it looked like he was secure. And that was a nice uh, vote of confidence, right? And then things started to go really bad, I think, toward maybe toward the end of the third year, or the beginning of the fourth. And it was finally like the pressure was getting to him. So he calls Knight and he's like, hey, you know, I mean, this is tough, but I, I might have to like move in this direction. And Knight was like, what you should do right now immediately is sign him to an extension. And wow. that was not the answer he was expecting. And that's exactly what he did. Oh, Very wow. quickly afterward, signed Krzyzewski to an extension. So wow, <laughs> I that started was... to get the loyalty piece a little more. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the peak. That's like peak night too. That's the peak of his powers. That's oh yeah. Like, that's yeah. like right before, like early to mid eighties. Like that's before he coaches the Olympic team, and he's already won multiple titles. Was yeah. His last title, eighty six. Yeah, undefeated had, team in the late seventies. Yeah. yeah, the Buckner team had Isaiah. All like. I mean, the craziest part about Knight is is Larry Bird started at IU. He started yes. there and he washed out. And yeah, it was like this. He is got not, homesick. This right is not away. for me, and he went back to yeah. Indiana State. So it was, it was like that was how big Knight was. Is that he he didn't even get Bird, and he was still like the most dominant yeah. coach around. I mean, it's just he said that was the thing he regretted. He said, you know, like when Bird left, he's like, I'm not going to go chase after these kids. Like if he wants to leave, like, <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I realized that. Uh, you know, I mean, it's Larry Bird, right? But at the same time, it's like maybe that was a time that he needed somebody to like he was that lonely and isolated that he's just like, I, I should have gone after him. So <laughs> for self-interest reasons too. But no, I mean, could you? Because I mean, Bird took Indiana State to the title. Like if he stays at Indiana, not only oh, does yeah. do they beat Matt, they beat Irvin in the in the final they play multiple times in the big 10 they play because i think magic was there two years right so they they mm-hmm. have multiple regular season games they play each other like it's yeah. it's pretty crazy think about it so and then knight, knight wouldn't need to be jealous of coach k having five titles and only to his three titles so <laughs> right. uh, there's there's that element of it too well i love that they both don't like at least knight doesn't like wooden because you know wooden had the uh he had the uh 
the alum or the the, booster, the recruiter guy, the yeah. recruiter who was like taking care of the players and kind of making everything happen. Um, I don't know where that was in the pyramid of success, John, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> still looking for the dollar signs. Uh, but Bob hanging it all. But Bob Knight does not respect Wooden. Like he doesn't like his thing. Yeah. He just doesn't like him at all. So yeah, it's so Shevsky holds the same view. Yeah, it? I wonder. I don't know. I just, I just yeah. wonder. I just, I, I, yeah, I delusions are free, and everyone yeah. should have some. Right? More like Knight has the same view of of Shashevsky that he has of Wooden. I don't know. <laughs> Ask Zion's parents about that. I don't know. Um, Wooden also from Indiana too. Like he went to Purdue. Mm. So mm. I mean, yeah. Indiana really was the cradle for a long time. It's pretty crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. It was the mecca. Uh, so getting back to where were we? The Lakers. Okay. So on the up, upside with the Lakers, actually, I couldn't come up with an upside. It's all Stop. misery and despair Stop. for Stop. the Lakers. <laughs> and it's best if the Spurs just put them out of their misery is what I'm thinking at this point. But I know LeBron's having the time. Is LeBron time. coming back? Is he going to come back or is he, is he going to just sit out the rest of the year? I think only LeBron has. He was, I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> So I'll leave on top for the season, I guess. What is funny, it's, this happened last year too, right? They started losing, and it was like, oh, the Lakers are going to be fine. And then they're like, oh, there might be the sixth seed. And then it was like, well, they might be in the play-in. This will be crazy. And then all of a sudden they were. Uh, and and this, it feels like it's similarly this year. All going they're according to plan, play. Michael. All <laughs> go according to plan. You know, continues to fade. Well, it's, it's weird to me because I, I – we obviously we know a lot more about injuries and I, and I think the teams have so much data that we don't see or know about like they have so much proprietary data that's being fed in particularly I think around fitness and injury risk and things like that that like we just don't get um, I don't think it's to the same degree in baseball just because it's not only more easily quantifiable, but also there's so many more players like data's there's just, they have tons and tons of data. They have data about 15 people and then opposing teams, but I think they just know so much. Um, and I, I think it's one of those situations where maybe too much information is a bad thing because it, it is just a strange dynamic where like, I mean, is Davis always hurt now? Like, it's just like, it, it, I, you know, I think it's been like, your research that like health health is a skill, right? Like staying healthy is actually, and be able to play a lot of games is actually like, is it just sort of a neutral um, asset that all players have at something? But I mean, Davis, I mean, is he, is he ever going to be, is he ever going to play 70 games in a season again? Cause it, it, it does seem like there's this broader cultural change where, you know, load management, you shouldn't push it. The long-term matters the most, which I think is all, is good and i think it's like the right analytical frame for how you uh, like choose to try and win but i do think the cult not, not that anthony davis can come back and play but it's just it's so accepted that you're just gonna like you're just gonna you're just gonna be out and you know we're seeing that across the league and it's just it's a, it's just a tough it's a tough dynamic man because it's like you just wish all these guys were healthy and could play and, the, and i'm not saying they can but they should but it's just I just feel like the dynamic has completely changed where I, I just wonder if the bar has been lowered where, especially if you're a guy who's not so competitive and so intense that you're always going to exceed, but you're, 
going to kind of meet whatever the bar is. If the bar is like, oh, play 60 games, that's sufficient, then it does sort of feel like we're like reverting to the mean. If the mean, I guess, the, if, the, if things have been moved back like that. And, and I do think it, you know, in a non, if, if we didn't care about money, if the owners didn't care, the league didn't care about money, then we'd be playing less games in 82 um, in terms of health and the quality and everything. And they won't be able to do that ever. Or they won't do it. So, but I, I don't know. I just seen Anthony Davis, and then obviously LeBron's hurt now, and maybe we'll get to the Warriors in a little bit. But it's just yeah. seeing seeing all these guys, and just it's it's tough. It's tough to see, man. I mean, Bob Myers maybe was on this week on local radio, the GM of the Warriors, and he was just. I wish we lived in a world where everyone was healthy. It'd be like so fun to see everyone play. You know, he's a little biased with that, but I, I definitely agree with him. Yeah, I think the interesting thing, the most interesting thing to me about some of these injuries is the way, I think the meniscus tear is one of the most interesting ways injuries have been treated differently. There's so much data around it and this sort of like self-healing process, whether it was Jaron Jackson Jr., who took almost an entire season, James Wiseman, who will take an entire season for a meniscus tear, whereas compared to like Robert Williams' partially tore his meniscus yeah three days ago and the, the suggestion is that he's going to be back four to six weeks right and there's there's procedures that you can do on the knee to accelerate that return that have longer term sacrifices associated with them and i think some of those decision inflection points they're so we're so long-term minded that sometimes you know a situation like boston where they really want to go for it i mean they're one of four five six seven legitimate title contenders that they're setting themselves up for that opportunity. And and to me, you know, I think that's one of the interesting dynamics here is when you have a player like Davis, right? The Lakers are sort of theoretically at least, it sure seems like they are playing a conservative long game with him. The problem is is LeBron James isn't getting any younger and he's like the best teammate that Davis is ever gonna have as a Laker and all like And neither is Davis. I mean Davis isn't getting younger either. I mean that's the crazy part. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean that's that's the thing. I told you you're totally right on, Michael. That's the thing when I saw the Williams potential weeks return, you're totally right that it is like and you've mentioned it before on the pod, like the different meniscus approaches you can take, you know, there's trade offs there. Um, but in some ways, like at some point, you always want to do it best for the player and their long term. But at some point, it's just kind of interesting. Like, is it better for their long term? Like, is it better for Wiseman to like lose a year of playing and getting better and maybe making like what's better for his long term career? Like if he had come back on a quicker thing and he had like, let's say the t- end of his career, he had like a year less of, of playing or something like there was a trade off. But then he could been playing all year. Like, what would you prefer? It's just it, it's just a hard. These are hard questions. So. Well, we'll find out next year in Detroit when he gets traded for Jeremy Grant. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you're right. LeBron is not getting any younger, but at least he's not getting any older. He, it seems that he is uh, still an ageless wonder. Like, uh, I mean, there's a few. He's almost as good as Wizards Jordan. So we got that going for us. <laughs> I mean, he just he just got hurt again. He's sitting out. His team's yeah. not going to make the playoffs. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All points lead the same direction. Same direction, I guess. Um, the one, the the one area that, that he has not, uh, he has not fought back. Father time is his uh, his hairline. Other than that, you could not. Oh yeah, they you, made a joke about the. You Oscar can't tell. About, uh, you can't tell. Other than that, that's the only thing. That's the one reminder that he is human. Yeah. No, that was like uh, I don't know if you guys caught the Oscars, but that was the big story. Was the joke about uh, LeBron's hairline in Space Jam Two and how they covered that up for the cinema cinematography of it. it got overshadowed by something else that happened i forget what 
<laughs> forget what it was. Was it that Coda won Best Picture? Yes, Coda won Best Picture. Yes, it yes, was Questlove winning Best Documentary. I think that yes, was it, so. yes. Um, <laughs> but it, Davis, it's the it's the accumulation of him falling off the ground for years. You know, I've been I've been saying that forever. It is, and it's just it's just. I don't know. I get maybe that that picture of him just with the jorts just really kind of like said. I don't know. It's just I can't get that out of my head. Yeah, reality check. Yeah. yeah, it's just like like three or four years ago when when they beat the Blazers in that first round series, it was just like this guy is like he was going to be who Giannis became. He was going to be like just this like unique player who could kind of do everything and. I mean, he averaged 28, 11, two and a half blocks, one and a half steals that year. Yeah. It was essentially, I think that was his first year that he won a playoff series. And I was thinking about that tonight because when I was watching some of the Mavericks game, they they reminded us that Luka has not yet won a playoff series, which he's still very young and has actually played very well in the playoffs. Uh, but Davis, you know, had that tag on him for a little bit. Obviously, he they they advanced they advanced that year and then and he wins his title so you think it's like okay now he's he's reached the the pinnacle so he's solidified but even winning a title it doesn't if 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 we feel like he's not maybe lived up to what his potential could be toward the the latter part of his prime it's kind of like oh is he is he a little bit of a letdown or or does the championship still override that narrative i don't know but so your question made me think of his whole whole career arc which is is interesting what well, i don't when he goes to the hall of fame assuming he does someday i don't think the question of what he's going to wear is going to be an issue it won't be a new orleans jersey it won't be a lakers jersey it'll be the jorts he's going to have the jorts on <laughs> well i mean yeah, that's all folks if he makes it to uh, Naismith, do you remember that yeah. one <laughs> he wore it to his last game in new orleans oh. and then he blamed his designer for it it was oh terrible gosh. <laughs> come on the, the brow come on buddy <laughs> But uh, enough of the uh, you know bottom dwellers. We we have some more uh, tight competition for seeds three through six in the Western Conference as the Nuggets, Mavs, and Jazz are jockeying for position, while the Warriors are holding on for dear life as the number three seed. Only well going into tonight, and the Mavs obviously won tonight. I assume they held that forty point lead they had in the late third quarter. That's when I turned it off. Correct. So they're only like a game behind. Uh, the Warriors for three. So, and then as you guys, you guys beat me to this one, but the sad news of course for the Warriors was that James Wiseman has officially been ruled out for the remainder of the season. Uh, we mentioned it was, it was his recovery was slowed last week, but he's out. So, so the Warriors uh, expect to fill the six or seven minutes. He would have played with a mixed rotation of power forwards. Uh, so they, they, sh- they should be okay <laughs> by committee. I think it was by committee. I think that three-on-three, three, that non-contact three-on-three three got a little too aggressive for him. <laughs> it, it is interesting, though. It reminds me of Steve Nash, maybe five years ago or something, was on Simmons' podcast, and he was talking about – he was talking about um, – I think he was involved with some work or some research that had been done or it was just bringing kind of um, visibility to a, a problem, which was – the specialization of sports and seeing the effect that it had on basketball players' knees and um, both girls and boys. But just, you know, the fact that a guy like James Wiseman, 
I mean, I don't know his whole backstory, but presumably he's always been really good at basketball. <laughs> he's always been super tall. He's been playing basketball for a very long time, you know, playing a lot in the summer, and you probably see so good at focused on it. And I just wonder – that was – basically Nash's point was no one cross-trains anymore. Obviously he's biased that way considering he's a great soccer player, um, did a bunch of different things, and basketball kind of came to it a little bit later in life in terms of – you know, fully developing all of his skill. And, um, but the, the, they had done the research where it just showed like the knees that these like young players come into the NBA with now are just like really, really in tough, tough, tough spot. Like they're not like, I mean, I, I think it's not even like tearing things, but it's just like they are not in the best shape because like playing a hundred games a year, like on a basketball court, like when you're growing is like not the, actually not the best thing for you um like you should be doing that and playing soccer doing other things and have different movements because you're just doing the same yeah. thing over and over again it just wears your knee out so i yeah. i again it's just sort of trying to connect the dots but I, when you hear about these things like again someone who's like 20 years old to have this sort of issue and i know it's like to michael's yeah. your point you keep making which is great it's like the meniscus is like a unique thing and you we have more options now surgically to deal with it which kind of have trade-offs but it's still like i just I just wonder with all these guys if it's just we're going to keep seeing more and more of this stuff just because they are so specialized and they're so great and like it's a it's a way you know they love the game and it's a, it's a way to build their life out of it but it's just it just has some consequences it seems like yeah it seems like a, a simple equation of uh the pounding the knees take on the hardwood uh and particularly for the for the bigger guys with your more upper mass more pressure on the joints and that there's going to be an erosion that makes them more susceptible like uh for sure major issue yeah it's a it's it's to- and, and i think with the warriors i i just again being local here listening to them on the sports talk radio <laughs> today they were like arguing that toscano anderson should get more time and that was like the key for them <laughs> coming back <laughs> and like how they didn't like uh one of the other marginal guys on the team and it was just I mean, it's, it's the version of Danny Young, Lamont Struggles. Yeah, today, no, it is. You know, it's, it's, like, it's, it's, uh, it's, who gets it's those five minutes as a backup point guard to Porter? Yeah, it's this. <laughs> it's this, It's like being a spoiled NBA fan when that's like the biggest <laughs> argument. Like you've been, you've won a lot when you're that concerned about that. But I, but for me, it's it's it is a reminder again, like how important Steph is, and I think we all get that. But even like people who ostensibly get it, like I, again, like Bill Simmons on his podcast before Steph got hurt before Draymond had come back and they were you know not they were not playing as well he was like well I think Draymond's you know Steph's on a point guard and Draymond really makes the offense go and they really need him back it's like (laughs) no no that's not true like like they need both of them to be at their best to be have a chance to win the title but like when Steph does not play Kerr's winning percentage is like 25%. When he plays, it's like 70%. Like, I know he gets rested and whatever, but like, it's not the most complicated thing. And that Are you team... saying Kerr is nothing without Curry? Is that... Yeah, 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 no, I know. I don't know who's the next Curry. He's not going to be able to pull a fill and go find... Uh... Go find Kobe right. and Shaq. So we'll see what his, his next act he's is. In, he's in a coach in Philly next year. Yeah. I just I, – I just um, – that team is not that – I mean, they're just not that uh, – they don't have – that team looks more talented than it is because of Curry. Like, that's the reason. And he's the straw that stirs the drink. And the reason Draymond – like, he's incredible defensively. 
But the reason he's able to like be such a contributor, being so important, is because of his osmosis with Curry in their two man game. Like that's it. And Draymond's really struggling too. He came back. He's struggling. Um, showing some flashes of last year when it was like, is this guy going to still be around? Like, is this going to work out? Um, I'm not sure. People are wondering if he's worked out much when he was out <laughs> on, on his, his, uh, his injury. He's been working on his media career. <laughs> and and honestly, the guy they should consider, I, I don't know. I think someone's, people are starting to say this now, but Iguodala, man, it's like <laughs> he's trying to play like the veteran card of like he's been around the, the block and everything. And uh, <laughs> it's like – He's not even practicing, you know, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's not, it's not going well, but the moment Steph gets back, if he comes back healthy for first round, I think they'll be fine, but it's just, they were totally relying on him and it was good to see Kerr try and bring Kaminga in and get him some run and kind of, but you can't put him in and give him 14 minutes. You have to just be like, I'm going to hold my nose and let him get 30 minutes and just like, let him work it out. And it's more important to get that and, and get it in the long run. So. I don't know, Michael. What, what's your uh, what's your current uh, sense of things with your with your dubs? <laughs> oh, I just I, I am I am I think reasonably concerned, but I do think there's I I think some of it is a bit overblown right now. I think again, without Curry, there it's over. And if Curry does come back and can be Curry, then then much of the other issues kind of resolve themselves. I mean. I think Draymond becomes fully Draymond when, when Curry's back. You hit on that. Iguodala, again, I mean, he does the veteran thing, but he also, like, it's kind of what he signed up for. It's like, I'm going to show up, play 18 minutes a game in the playoffs, and, like, you know, not really be here the rest of the time, which, again, I think is, like, potentially valuable when you think about what a potential first-round, second-round matchups look like if they are going to make a run. So, um, you know, I, I do think, <laughs> you know, I think the Western Conference, I think historically was something I was pretty excited about. And I do think the first round will be really fun. But Phoenix just continues to feel prohibitively the favorite. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just continuing to mount. Like, yeah. we talked about Golden State being kind of a bad supporting cast. We had the same conversation about Dallas and Denver also. And, and meanwhile, like, you know, oddly enough, Memphis, when Ja doesn't play, yeah, like that's and two. crazy. But, but, but really, Phoenix has like, has like six of the like 14 best players in the Western conference all in their own roster. I mean, it's like totally insane to the way when you watch them play and, and guys that are like, like struggling to get time sometimes in the rotation, they're just rolling. I mean, they're nine and one in their last 10 and, and Paul's been out the entire time. And I guess it's totally bonkers to me to watch what they're doing. Um, and so you know, they're going to, they're going to finish with 65, 66 wins probably. And, you know, be the prohibitive favorite in the Western Conference. I just, they, the way all of them have gelled this year, I mean, it's a little like, they're a little, not that they lost in the same way that the Spurs did in, in 13 to come back in 14, but they sure seem to have coalesced around the fact that they got to the finals and lost last year. And so then to watch them all again really buy into their role um, has been, I think it's just something to behold, right? I mean, they just, they've ripped off. I mean, I think multiple double-digit win streaks this year, which is, like, sort of one of those weird metrics that, like, you don't think about that much. But when it happens, you're like, wait, they won 10 games or more three different times this year? Like, that's absurd. Like, that means they didn't lose for a month straight, like, three different times. It's crazy. So, you know, the fact that they have, you know, Crowder, Bridges, Aiton, you know, Paul is now back in the mix. But, 
you know, it's just, it's wild to me, um, you know, what, what they can potentially do. And again, they seem to be like the type of team that's going to steamroll the conference based on, again, how the rest of the conference is shaping up. Like it's just, they have, you know, the def- they have the defenders and then they have the, the, the offensive players too. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm hopeful for the Warriors just because I picked them, but largely I'm, I think I'm sort of, it's a foregone conclusion to me at this point that the Suns are coming out of the West. Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks may have some comment commentary about that. But yeah. What do you What do you think, D? They're your, they're your team. They're well, your oh, oh, thank you. That's what I was going to point out. I didn't want to toot my own horn. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I'll stick with them coming out of the West. Uh, I do like the Spurs analogy. That that's that's a good one. You've got you know Pop's understudy too. Maybe Williams is taking a page from uh, Pop's pop's playbook of how to how to motivate a team that came so close to winning the title and uh and uh and now they're de- determined to 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 grab it so uh i mean and the you know winning close games um and then how they just you know held up without paul i think what they just only lost a couple games when he was out for for several weeks so um it's weird because it just felt like for a long time it was like the parody is just it's so thick this year. It still is in the East, I think. But uh, but now the overall, not just come out of the West, but I think I think to win it all. So, uh, but I did I did jump ship. Don't forget and said the 76ers at the worst possible time. So, <laughs> you never know. I got to hold myself accountable. You know. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I no, I I think you're right. I mean, it is. Um, I think what Phoenix has been able to do to me is astounding. And I think the what the Eastern conference, again, to me, the most interesting there is again, how Philly, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami in, in, in a potential and throwing Brooklyn probably is the, the, the sleeper there, how those teams all match up with each other in a, in these second round matchups. Um, I mean, it sure seems like the bucks are coming and we, we might be, we might be set up for, for Phoenix, Milwaukee part two, but I do think those teams, you know, there's kind of bad matchups for each of them in these different ways uh, to, to, you know, Miami can kind of handle some of the Bucks physicality in a way that, that other teams can't. Whereas Boston has the kind of the bodies often to throw at Milwaukee in a lot of ways. So it's just, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see really fun to watch it kind of unfold, I think. Um, and, and the seeding to me is going to matter so much. And so I'm kind of actually interested in what the next few like, week or so looks like as some of these teams zero in on where they can, they can land, particularly given how close the kind of one through four is in the Eastern conference. But right. What were you going to say? Oh, I just, I just love that Chris Paul finally found his soulmate. Like he had, you know, he started off his career as a young point guard and then he goes to LA and it's like, Oh, he's going to be combined with Griffin, the young up and coming superstar and um and yeah that doesn't really they don't really collide like Blake Griffin wants to be a uh you know he wants to be a stand-up like he's just a different <laughs> different dude he's, he's awesome he's a, he was great before he got hurt and uh awesome guy um and um and then he goes to Houston and he's dealing with Harden and like it's just doesn't really like they don't really jive together understandably he has the one year in Oklahoma city, but now he's with Booker and and Booker is, is like, he's got like a Chris Paul personality. He's like, he grinds, he's driven. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I recommend to anyone listening to this, that 
loves the NBA, which I assume anyone listening to this does love the NBA, or loves us or both, hopefully, uh, <laughs> is go go to the Summer League. Go to Vegas Summer League because Michael and his, his crew went down and I joined them a number of years ago. And, and Booker, I think I've said it before, Booker played in it, even though he had already finished his rookie year. And he kind of came down to play with some of the young guys they had. And it was actually two guys like Chris and Bender who they that didn't even make the team after like two years. Like, but he came and played with them, and he was, he was, I mean, Ben Simmons was there. A lot of guys were there, but he was by far the best player in the whole summer league. He was like, it was like a guy going from like that's on the varsity playing in JV like before the varsity game. He just just dominated, and he had like this incredible attitude and confidence and arrogance about him, and. You know, he he made this. You guys see the pass he threw to Bridges, where he threw it intentionally off the backboard, like he was like covered up, and Bridges backpicked and kind of floated to the the basket, and he was open, but Booker was covered. He couldn't give him the ball, and so he threw it off the backboard, went right to Bridges. Bridges laid it up for a layup, and then they were both like laughing and pointed at each other afterwards. And it's like, I I, <laughs> I feel like I feel like Paul and Booker are the heir apparent. To, they're the they're the heir apparent to Kobe. In, in the league, they just like, you know, that's they just they are just maniacal. And I'm not Kobe didn't always do the best thing for his team to win. We've talked about that. But that just that like kind of like Booker is not like he has a perfect running mate with Paul and they've been very successful, which glosses over any potential issues. But as we see with Jimmy Butler, you can still have issues with people even if you're having success. And I just feel like he and Booker. It's just – it's great. And it's fun to see Booker keep growing and getting better and better and better because that jump from – that we're seeing Tatum have, and I think Booker is doing it too, where you keep inching to being like, okay, you're top 15, top 20, now you're top 15, now you're top 10. Like, it's just – it's fun to see it. And you're right, Michael. They have that group of guys that are so good together. And it's fun because when you have that core team, you can bring in the other role players like Shamit and – other guys can come in and do stuff and that that their system like you were saying D that Spurs kind of system is like you can kind of get in that and it just makes the sum greater than the parts so it's great I don't know if you guys remember this but a few years ago and this was before you know the Suns did did so well in the bubble but and still missed the playoffs but uh Booker came out and this is I mean he had what a few losing seasons with the Suns and it was after a season he's like I am done with this, like not making the playoffs. I'm done being being on a losing team, like over with this. And it was such a laughable comment to make at the time because yeah. <laughs> it was like you and what army, you know, like yeah, you, like you guys are look like you're going to be stuck for a while in in the cellar. Uh, but but I but now it's like thinking when you say there's a Kobe in him, it's like he he knew what he was doing, he knew yeah. it, he believed what he was saying, and and here he is, you know, doing it. Well, it's a long way from when he scored six. Was that two or three years ago where he scored? Maybe the, even the year before the bubble, he scored sixty in Boston, and they were all going crazy, even though they had won like twenty games or something. So, <laughs> well, and didn't they lose two or something? I think yeah, like, was, he went for like sixty in a game where they lost, and it was. I mean, it was coincided around when Draymond was like, "Get this, get my guy out of there." And I mean, there's whole sorts of like dynamics there where yeah. there's a lot of questions whether Booker was a guy who could be like a winning player versus just sort of like a bad a good stats bad team guy I mean there's just so many different dynamics to watch Phoenix come come together uh, and, and it, just, it doesn't happen very often I mean that's the thing that I think is so unique that we're seeing this year is you saw Boston turn it around 
We've seen Phoenix sort of ascend like they did last year and really, really even build on top of that. And then Memphis is ahead of schedule, right? But we see teams all the time that don't really translate into what you ever thought they would. Um, and, and, and it's, so it's so fun to see some of these, these rebuilds sort of coalesce in a way to make them really, you know, competitive and, and fun and entertaining. And, and it's, it's the storylines alone, I think are enough to keep, keep us really engaged. And that's a great point about Memphis too. Cause they actually have some Kobe in them as well. It, it, it's like that you saw like Bain and, you know, going back and forth with LeBron you know, a month or two ago when they played him and was like talking trash to him and did not back down at all when LeBron got miffed about it and tried to kind of big time him. Um, you saw it with Dylan Brooks. Did you see he, he like, cause I, you know, I forgot like Iguodala got traded there three years ago and he just was like, I'm not showing up. And so it's like, I think Dylan Brooks, after they just pounded them without jaw this week was like, yeah, I mean, we're building something gray here. He didn't believe in it. Now he went back to Golden State. Good for him. You know, <laughs> and it's just like they they just have an edge, and they're not they're not trying to pretend. They're not trying to like, and it's not even like oh, everyone's trying to be friends. It's not like that because like all the guys in the league are competitive. But it's just I just like the edge. I like the like like we're all looking to like make our mark, and you know we're not going to back down from anyone. And I think what Memphis has done is that. They were able to identify all of these young guys and that have like they, their talent evaluation was off the charts, but also to have the cohesion and culture where like the Dylan Brooks comes back. And so like the, the lineup shift around like jaws out. So like Melton gets in and just goes for 25. It's just like they have that ability to have the depth, but also have the mix where all these guys know they're good and they all like, are going to make plays. And you see it with Bane kind of jumping up to that third role, um, you know, kind of with Brooks and, you know, Adam's having fun with them, but it's definitely like, it's very impressive. And I think it's really cool. We talked about it before, but the Grizzlies with Jerry West, you know, 20 years ago tried to kind of build like this, but they didn't have jaw and they had Gasol. So they had kind of their, their Jackson. They didn't have, they didn't have John Morant and they've created this like, all of the, they have all these guys like Zaire Williams. They have all these perimeter guys, and they have other big guys too. They have so many guys who can play, and you know, I hope they really, I hope they make a run because, like, that's one of the special parts about their team, and that will not, they will not be able to maintain that in the long run just because of, like, these guys are all good and they're all going to get contracts, and so hopefully they can make a run now but I, I just love their edge and it is crazy I think, I think our guy Stan Van he was the one who tweeted out like <laughs> this is the craziest thing of the season is how this team is 18 and 2 without well the best players in the league <laughs> like, and Morant's like totally in on it he's not like it's like they're all just hyped and mm. I don't know and I feel like that's what's going on in gold with in, in the bay right now is that that's who Golden State was back like in the Mark Jackson years into the you know, the first championship was they were the younger guys who were like coming, you know, and just had like that edge and they were just athletic and young. And now it's like, oh, wait, there's another team coming on our, you know, it's like you get old fast, man. You got to watch out. <laughs> hey, trivia question for you. In the, on that Memphis team from the Gasol era, who was the point guard for that team? Damon Stoudemire, White Chocolate. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, it was, uh, it was Jason Williams. Williams was there. I thought Damon Stoudemire okay. was there for a little bit of time. No, it was. 
Uh, I don't think. Bonzi Bonzi was the backup point guard? That's a good question. I think that makes the point. It was Gasol and a bunch of guys who, you know, Mike Miller and uh, right, Lorenzo like, Wright, rest in peace. But Yeah, like it's um, – yeah, they just did, they didn't have they didn't have enough, but it was definitely it's just fun to see it start to work where they could identify these young guys. I mean, they got Melton for Phoenix. I mean, they definitely they just got these guys other than Morant and Jackson, everybody else they've gotten has been you know, on the edge and it'd be interesting to kind of understand like what their how they actually evaluated the talent to um to get there. So, it's fun. It'll be fun to see them in the playoffs. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing that I was going to mention is uh, Paul George made his return tonight. Uh, they played the Jazz. I think he's on a, a minutes limit, but uh, keep an eye on the Clippers. This is maybe an intriguing team. Quiet uh, Leonard still MIA, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and well, I, that game was crazy. By the way, he he came back and I think he went he went for thirty four in his first game back oh. since December. I missed and, that. And they beat they beat the Jazz by 18 points in the fourth quarter alone, and they ended up winning by six. Like they oh. were buried, and they had they mounted this big comeback. Yeah, they were down 12 going to the fourth. That's when I turned it off. Wow. Yeah, they were buried, and they, uh, you know, Paul George was vintage PG. I mean, he was shot 50 percent from the field. He hit six threes. Like it's just nice. The fact that a guy comes back and drops 34 in 31 minutes for being. Yeah, they they were just they're they are. Uh, I mean, I can't think of a season that's this unique in terms of, you know, having these teams at the bottom of. I mean, I think we always thought maybe there was going to be the Lakers, but really, I mean, the Clippers and the Nets are both teams that, you know, you do not you know want to mess with when it comes to the playoffs here, and both of them are like going to be in that eight seven or eight seed. I mean, that's the funny thing about this is is both are now. You know, both are in the eight seeds, and with the playing game, they might probably they probably jump to the seven, presumably if they, you know, win that. You have the Timberwolves above the Clippers, and then you have uh, now the Bulls have dropped into, or the Cavs have dropped into the seven seed. So you you just have these like, you know, the playing makes these odd dynamics. It actually makes it more fun because you can't jockey as much from one and two to figure out who you're gonna play because you don't know how that game's gonna turn out, but. Um, it is, which makes it a little bit more fun, uh, or a little more random maybe. So, but it, it is, uh, it'll be curious to see those playing game nights are going to be pretty fun mm-hmm. with, cause they're, I mean, all the teams, even though their records aren't very good, they're all, they're all interesting at least. Right. It's, it's that's uh, much better than that, uh, Pacers Charlotte game last year. Yeah, you remember that? Exactly, like, right. Neither of these teams belong <laughs> at the playoffs. Hey, just, uh, just for the record, um, David Stoudemire did play for the 0506 Grizzlies and the oh, 0607 nice. Grizzlies. Me. So Stand Bob Hill did coach for the New York Knicks. So just want to make sure that we're both clear. Can't get Thank them you. all. Can't I've get been, them all right. If I if I actually stopped talking for a few minutes, that's what I was doing a little did a little research. <laughs> the research department's off for the night, so I was doing uh, a little. That was research. your that was your revenge uh, for the, for the Bob Hill from 15 years ago. <laughs> well, the funny part is Hubie Brown was the coach for the year, and that was like Jerry West. That was the greatest year of basketball ever. Hubie brought <laughs> brought me back the love of the game, <laughs> and then he had to retire again because of health concerns. <laughs> and then Mike yeah. Rotello took over. Right. I think that's when Stoudemire showed up at some point. But um, 
Yeah, I, I have to admit, once uh, I lost tabs on Stoudemire once he didn't quite live up to our expectations as a Blazer fan to be uh, the point guard that would lead us to a championship. So, but that, that was a lot of pressure to put on a local local yeah, guy, man. Mighty Mouse, Mighty yeah. Mouse, man. Yeah. yeah, and I always thought Kenny Anderson was underrated as a Blazer point guard too. But that, that's a debate for a different time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> And we won't, don't get me started on Rod Strickland either. <laughs> get Kerry Eggers back on here. Get some, uh, get some things oh, going. And guys, the biggest news from from last week, sort of breaking news, LeBron James did not break a record over the last week. There were no, <laughs> no milestones, believe it or not. <laughs> Shocking. He's, he's far enough from Jabbar that he's gonna hang it up till next. He'll do it next season. He's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm good. I passed the mailman. <laughs> Jordan's in my rear view now. So yeah, it's interesting. I, mean, I, I just, yeah, it's a great point that the Suns are rolling and everyone else is trying to kind of find their footing. I mean, the Bucks won tonight. Giannis had an amazing game and block, and uh, he's incredible. So, but yeah, just be, it'll be fun to see. I, I I don't know if like the first round. I don't know. I feel like second round. I'm, I'm most excited for. I can't like the first round. I'm just trying to like. I think we'll see where it plays out. Obviously, the Brooklyn series will be fun. Whoever they end up playing, assuming <laughs> that it all works out for them. Um, <laughs> It's pretty crazy. Toronto's now like I mean, I think I think with the way the the divisions work, I don't think they can get ahead of the Cavaliers, but they are ahead of them in terms of winning percentage now. It's pretty crazy. No, I think they can now. The, yeah. the, oh, they can. Oh, the, Chicago. Winning your oh. conference or winning your division is a is a uh, tiebreaker, but not. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's not ranking anymore. It used to be a top four guarantee back in the day. Okay. Yeah. They okay. It. They ditched it. Well, That's I guess Milwaukee. Team, we need to give yeah. you proper credit for that. Doesn't really make up for the Lakers' choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Yeah. I'm reading this book about hedge funds, and it's the whole thing about hedge funds. They like where you invest in the market and stuff. Their, their whole thing basically is like when you know, I think this is probably, it's like a poker thing to it. You know, it's like when, like when you are like sure you have a winning bet or a winning trade like you just like put everything on it like it's like you just you just put you just bet everything and i, I don't know i don't think the raptors really uh really <laughs> size up for that so i don't know man i don't know i mean i, I can the nets do, i mean can the nets do it i mean they're they're like they're playing the mighty mites i mean it's it's fun but i i'm really bummed out simmons didn't come back and i mean it doesn't seem like it's coming back at this point so they're they're really, I mean, they're, are they really going to run like Curry, Irving, Drogic, Drummond, Durant, with some Mills thrown in and maybe some Bruce Brown? I mean, that's what they're going to. I mean, the funny thing against the Heat, they can run a freaking zone and dare them all to just brick a house until the, they win like 105 to 90. Yeah, I was. I think that's what's so weird about the Heat right now is even though they have the best record in the Eastern Conference, they they're they're a team that. Just doesn't it doesn't really I mean they're so defensively capable, but from an offensive perspective, it gives me a lot of concern when they go against any sort of top tier talent. Yeah, it's like they just don't have people who can guard. It's gonna be yeah. It's just it's a bummer Simmons you know, hasn't come back. 
see what he can do, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, if you guys had to pick today, I mean, is it Milwaukee Phoenix? Is that where you guys both end up? Seems like that's the safest bet. I think I'm going with just Michael's uh, Spurs 2013-2014. I mean, it was the Miami Heat the year before, so it was two same two teams in the finals. I guess we had that with Golden State Cleveland, but uh, I think I I like that. I think that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna see, and then uh, uh, the Suns are gonna turn turn the table. But oh wait, I should probably stick with my 76ers pick. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I put myself in a corner. Yeah, no, it'll be I mean, it's kind of funny to think that they were up 2-0. So it's like if they just kind of can break through one of those games. Like it's just weird to think like if they had things had gone their way and obviously Giannis took over, so you know, it was they earned it, but it's just how different the season would be if it like they had won the title and they were defending it like this, we'd all just be like, "Oh my gosh, like this yeah. is one of the great it's sort of like the it's kind of the inverse the Seahawks lost to the Patriots. It was like to win back to back would have been it's just the way you view view everything. It's like you lose that way that game. It's like the sour taste in your mouth, even though you won a title. And like yeah. most teams don't do that. And it's like, but you're right. The Spurs comparison is good. It's like if they can come back all the way and do it and beat the Bucks, that would be. I just hope Chris Paul stays healthy. I think that's just yeah. the only thing, right? I mean, if they can still win without him, but it's just yeah. they just need him to stay healthy. Um, but and who do you guys like for MVP? Are you guys like? Joker. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. my pick. I think it's got to be Giannis to me, to be really honest. I, the guy's a back-to-back MVP and a defending champion, and he's had his best season of his career. I mean, that to me is – we're getting to a place with Giannis where as great as Jokic is, as great as he – I think I saw – I read on Twitter someone I – th- I forget who it was – said, or, you know – I think it actually might have been Ben Thompson, who is a Bucks fan, but he was like, "Are we going to really give in to Mike Trout?" He, he is. Basketball? He is the Bucks fan, so <laughs> which I think is an interesting point. I mean, Jokic is amazing. He's so fun to watch. He makes his team very like so much better. But like, is Giannis not? Are we not going to look back at Giannis in like five years and just say like, how did Giannis not win it every year in that era? Right? Not unlike we look at like Shaq's career in the early aughts or Jordan sure. in the nineties. LeBron. Well, it's Jordan LeBron. LeBron. Yeah, I think he's Jordan LeBron. Like, it's just kind of like he should he'd be the default absent something else happening. And then, you're yeah, you're kind of like, well, she just get it every year. Because there's a lot of years LeBron didn't get it. There's the years, like, Malone or Barkley got it instead of Jordan. And you're just like, you know. <laughs> or David, David, David Robinson not, not got, got it in front of Elijah one. You know, they always get their, they get their payback eventually. But. Well, so like I'd look at it as if you were starting, if you had the first pick of, you know, starting a team and you take your first guy, is it that obvious that it would be Giannis? Because like for me, I would give a lot of consideration to taking the Joker as, as the guy. Like, I don't think it's that clear of a choice that Giannis is just hands down the best. Like if you flip that, I mean, again, it's like if you flip them, like. Milton and Holiday are really good. I mean, Giannis makes them good, but like, you know, I mean, I'm I've always been bearish on Murray even before he got hurt, and and Porter's a lot of potential, you know. Um, MJP man, he's great, um, but it's just kind of interesting. Like if you flip them, you put Jokic with those guys. Like if you put Giannis on that team with all that, you know, really 
you know, crummy talent around him, they'd still be really good. I think they'd be kind of like Joker, but I don't feel like they'd be like 55 wins or something. Like Joker's making something out of nothing with them. Like they have, they yeah. have nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I definitely don't think it's Embiid. I would say for me, it's Giannis or Joker. And I think I would go. I would probably go Jokic, but it'd be close. And and I think Jokic defensively is better. Um, keeps getting better and better. I mean, having three game-winning blocks. I mean, Giannis had a game-winning block tonight on Embiid, the other like contender for the MVP, which is incredible. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't argue against like oh Giannis. I definitely think Joker's ahead of Embiid. Um, but I mean, the way he can like have an offense, it's just. Like, I feel like he could just – I mean, it's kind of like him and Doncic, you know. But, again, Doncic isn't to their level yet, but we'll see. Um, do you think Jokic is – I mean, who do you guys think's going to win? Like, if – it seems like we're split between Jokic and Giannis, but who do you think – you think Jokic will win it or you think Giannis will get it? No, I think I think they'll hold it against the Joker uh, that his team is going to be, like, you know, the sixth or at best the fifth seed. So I, I, I think that that will be held against him. And he, and I and I think they're less inclined to have repeat winners um, back-to-back. So I, th- I think I would probably guess – I don't know. There seems to be a lot of, lot, like, momentum for Embiid, but I would still – I would guess Giannis will win it. The weird part is Giannis is – they're only two and a half games ahead of Denver. I mean, yeah. No, 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 no. But that that kind of undermines the Giannis argument. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, what do you do with that one, Michael? (laughs) There's an eye test element to me for the I think for watching Giannis, where you're kind of going, "Wow, when he's in high gear, he's just the best in the world." Like it just I I can't get past when he sort of broke the matrix last year in the playoffs, and it seems like he's been able to hit that gear lots of different times this year whenever he's really wanted to. And so it just, I think it's, it's, you know, to me that the, the default is like, he's the best player in the world and knock him off his throne. And I think what Jokic has done has been amazing. If he wins, I don't think it's going to be a travesty necessarily in the line of like Derek Rose winning it over LeBron in like 2012 or whatever. But it, it, it will be, I think to me, Giannis, just the way it's like, Jokic gets a lot of credit for being like, you know, well, he's not such a bad defender anymore. And you're like, <laughs> no, no, I think he's a good defender. I'm not saying he's that bad anymore. I'm saying he's good. I, I know, but like Giannis is like, a, like you know, is an all-timer defender. But they player. won't even play him on Embiid straight up. Embiid was calling him out at the end, after the game about that. He was saying, let's match our minutes <laughs> next time because they won't. They don't want to play Giannis at center against him. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. There. <laughs> There was a, a clip recently. Where, that's a coach, uh, but that's coach, Bud, not Giannis, but <laughs> yeah, he also blocked his ass in the last play of the game. So <laughs> no, but to, go finish your dunk. But to your point about the eye test, there was a point recently where I was watching a clip of the Joker where he like, Got his own offensive rebound like three times and, then, <laughs> and like score. And I was just like, that guy is just on a whole another level. But I think what's kind of not deceptive, but like subtle about his rise is that he's really, really good. But it just feels like in the last couple of years, then he's just gone to this to even another level. And, and Giannis has been consistent as like, you know, you know, very elite and best player. But it just feels like he's kind of Joker's kind of snuck up on him that 
to me, the eye test at least is pretty comparable. Like I'm not, uh, I get your point that you watch him play and you're like, is there anybody better than this guy? But I, I think it's pretty close. Yeah. I don't think, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think it's both are great options to me. The Embiid piece, I think as amazing as he is on again, both ends of the floor, he doesn't necessarily have, he's not nearly as transcendent as Giannis is. And he, I don't feel like he's as complete of an offense as Jokic is. And again, even though the sort of, you know, the warps and the warps and the shorts, as, as Zach Lowe says, is are all so glowing for both of those players. So, um, yeah, and it's, it's fun to have this many good young players. I mean, that's yeah. kind of the funny thing too. Like they're all sort of peak of their powers and they're only in their like mid twenties. Right. I mean, that's like, it's just, it's such a fun era and, and to see how this continues to evolve, you know, will be pretty great. I did. Well, I mean, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, I was going to wrap this up. You go ahead. You give oh, no, us your final point, right? Oh, no. I was just going to say, you know, Giannis made 29.7, 11.6 boards, um, you know, a block and a half. It's pretty incredible. But I, I, it is strange that they never really took off. I feel like if if they were if they had won, they were on track for, like, high 50s or even 60 wins. Like, they weren't, like, the Suns, but they were kind of, like, the next team. And they actually done, I think, what – at least I thought they were going to do. And he's not, he's only played 61 games. So it's not like, um, you know, it's, it, that's part of it. They have they've had some injuries and the big three haven't played together that much, but it's just like, I feel like if I would be more inclined to pick him, if, you know, if they were kind of substantially better than the nuggets, but their, their record is not like they're a better team. Clearly uh, the East has better, better teams. Um, but and I, but the fact that I mean Joker plays all the time too. I mean he plays like more than anybody. So I, I I still lean Joker, but it's a good. It's I agree. It's it's great to have great players around. So excited to see him play the playoffs. Great young players, as you said, Michael. But uh, our guest tonight was going to be Andre Iguodala, <laughs> our veteran. But uh, he said the way we talked about him is not how you treat a former Finals MVP. <laughs> <laughs> he, he hit the links he's he's golfing so <laughs> he's doing some venture deals on the uh on the uh on the greens that's all the time we have for today thanks for joining us at the three and d love nba podcast we'll be back next time but until then remember throw it down big man this isn't just a great podcast it's a triumph of the human spirit